I am like this, I like this, and I hate this. And then, um, right beside it, I want you to write, <laughs> God's name is Dash. What do you usually call God? Just what you call him. It might say a lot. And then write, he is like this, he likes this, and he hates. He, he's like this, he likes X, and he hates Y. Just fill that out. Let, just be... Be honest with yourself about what you think. We won't ask for those later, so don't worry. So, keep filling that up as we go on. Last week we started a new series. It will likely lead us into Christmas. Isn't it exciting that Christmas is already here? Well, it's not really here, but you know. Um, uh, we started the new series, it's called God Has a Name. It's, it's a series on God's name. And I said that the way we distinguish persons is by three things. Let's see how many people came to church. What are those things? Name, story, character. So we distinguish persons by their name, their character, and their story. And it's the same with God. We need to know God's name. We need to know his character. And we need to know his story. And um, uh, uh, the, one of the reasons, so last Sunday we answered a very particular question. Why uh, is it important to know God's name? Why does God need a name? Why not just use God? Um, uh, and here are three reasons I want to remind us. One, God, uh, the, the word God loses its usefulness at some point because it is a title and it is used for many, many things people worship. So that's not very, very helpful at some point. Two, because he says he has one. He has an interaction with uh, this guy called Moses and he introduces himself as Yahweh. So God himself says he has a name. So it might be important to know his name. Um, someone, when I, when I moved back to Nakuru, uh, I met this guy and I thought we were friends and uh, over a year, a year down the line, he, he, at a dinner, he said, you know, I never liked you for the first few months you were in Nakuru and I'm a likable person. I, I like to think so. So I was very surprised. And he said, because you kept forgetting my name. Names are a big deal. It's like, oh, now I don't. Um, so anyway, so he says he has a name and he actually adds, by this name, you shall know me from generation to generation. So it might be a big deal. It is a big deal. And number three, because the view of scripture is that there are so many other gods. So when you say God, which one? There's so many. So when you say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm spiritual, which spirit? I worship God. Which one? Because there are plenty. When, um, when I'm thinking of a conversation with someone, especially a negative one, because, you know, life throws some of those at us, uh, I play the whole conversation in my head, right? I, have, I, have, I know what they would say, and I know what my comeback would be. Am I the only one? Well, I actually realize that, you know, different people people's minds work differently. So some people see images and don't hear voices and some just hear, hear silence. So I'm not going to assume. But anyway, when I am about to have a, con a conversation with someone, I play the whole conversation in my head because I know them. So I imagine what they would say. And it's always very awkward when I was, when I was building up for a fight and they don't fight. Like, come on, give me something. Just a little, just a little. Um, Turns out it, it often shows that, well, maybe you didn't know them that much. But if you also do that, the reason you do it is because you know these people and you know how they will react, respond uh, to certain things. You see, when, when you don't know someone, you would represent them or describe them to another person in a way that is incomplete, if not entirely wrong. True? 
Um, there was a, oh, what was this show called? There was a show, a, a political satire show in Kenya with puppets. XYZ, right? Uh, you, you remember those, those images? You, you, kinda, you can tell who they are making fun of, but it's a caricature, right? It's not, an, they don't use exact images. And even sometimes they would change the names, but you can tell who they're making fun of. So that's the thing about not knowing people well. You represent them in a way that kind of is like them, but is a caricature. So it is important to know God, otherwise we'll represent him in a way that kind of is God, but isn't. Imagine uh, meeting someone and asking them about their spouse. Well, tell me about your spouse. And they go, oh, meet my wife. She is woman and mother of kids. You're like, wait a minute. You'd expect something more. Those are good and true, and, and, uh, but you'd expect them to say something. You know, she, she's a, 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 a perceptive and kind, and she will annoy you sometimes or all the time, depending on who it is, right? And, and, she, uh, and she's just the rock of our family. That is someone who's telling you, no, I know this person beyond their name and titles. I know their character. That is the same way God invites us to know him. He invites us to know him by name. He's saying, I am knowable, and he, invite, and, and he wants to be known. God is not only knowable, he wants to be known, and he wants to know you. And, and, and the danger of not knowing God is that we create him in our own image and likeness. So... If you look at the responses you gave uh, to the first question I asked, oftentimes when people do that exercise, we begin to realize that God likes the same things they like. God hates the same people they hate. God would only vote for the same people they would vote for. God would only go to the same places only they go. What happens? We start to create God in our own image and likeness. So, how do we not do that? Or how do we not do that as much as possible? You know what? It's the same thing. We need to know his name, his story, and his character. And so what we will do today, we will start uh, uh, talking about God's character. And like I said last weekend, for us followers of Jesus, we do that by going back to scripture and asking ourselves, what does God himself have to say about his character? We don't just make up, we don't, you know, ask the world, what do you say about God? We don't, we, uh, we take, we, we are followers of Jesus. He believed, uh, followed, and took scripture seriously, so that's our stance too. So we go back to scripture and ask ourselves, what does God himself in scripture have to say about his name and character and story? And, and the interesting thing is that, is that uh, uh, scripture... When we ask for the character of God, it will take us back to his name. Here is why. See, nowadays, names are becoming labels. It's almost like saying, uh, here is a human being named John. Here is a human being named Peter. But that wasn't how it worked in, in scripture. And I know uh, for, for the Africans in the room, we in the recesses of our mind, it's just a few generations where that was the same for us. Your name meant something. In my culture, uh, 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 names uh, referred to the day you were born, the time you were born, the weather conditions, some were prophetic over you, um, uh, or your parents' conditions, or who they really loved and they never told, you know. So your names meant something. And, and it's the same thing with scripture. Uh, names were not labels. Names were, 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 were supposed to describe something, uh, that which is true about the person being talked about. And it is the same thing with God's name. And I think that's why it is a big deal to know God's name. That's why it's a big deal to know God's name because in his name, uh, is contained the question of his character. So one question uh, from, the, from the questions from the, uh, from the community, one person asked, when and why did we stop calling Yahweh by that name and started using God? Very good question. And thank you for whoever asked. 
So this is not entirely accurate. Um, it never went away, at least not in the Bible. However, because of what I'm, I'm about to explain, uh, um, many in the modern world didn't realize that it, uh, that it was very specific, it was a big deal, and they just thought, oh, it's just God or Yahweh or whatever. So, in many English, uh, uh, in many of your English translations, uh, you will, let's look at an example. Uh, this is uh, Psalm 8. In many of your English translations, you, you see something like that. Lord, our Lord. And this goes, how majestic is your name in all the earth? You see, the name of God was a big deal all through. Anyway, so Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth? And then you find... So in ancient times, because you didn't have italics and, and bold uh, writing, if you wanted to emphasize something, you'd repeat it. But this is different because it's not, oh, okay, I might still need it. Uh, it's, it's not so much about repetition. They're not repeating, Lord. Do you see, do you notice so many times that one is in caps, all caps, and the other one isn't. The one in caps is, was supposed to stand in place for the name of God. So it never really went away. It's always been there. That's how they would write the name of God. Okay. So why would they do that? Over time, because of the significance of the name of God, and then a couple of things. The significance of the name of God, the significance of the name Yahweh, Two, um, uh, there's a commandment that says you shall not take the name of Yahweh your God in vain. And three, a bit of fear for, oh my word, if we offend God, he will be very upset. Uh, the Jews stopped saying the name of God. Oh, sorry, and the fourth thing. I, uh, so, significance of the name of God, uh, a commandment that says, do, do not take the name of Yahweh, your, your God, in vain, and fear for, to offend God, and four, in, 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 uh, in pursuit of honoring God's name, the Jews stopped saying God's name. So they wouldn't say it. So this is not a very helpful example. If you've watched uh, Harry Potter, there's this guy they call, he who shall not be named. Okay, so I, I say it's not a very helpful example because that's a negative character in the movie. But it's the same idea. So, oh, he who shall not be named. So they, they stopped saying the name of God. And so what they would do, in the place of the name of God, they would say Adonai. In the place of the name of God, they would say Adonai, which simply means, which which translates to Lord, but for them, that Adonai, the first Lord, was, was in reference to God's name. And so that's why you'd have, oh, thank you. Well, let's go back to the other one. That's why you'd have Lord, Lord, because, yes, Lord, Lord, because they would say the first one as Adonai and our Adonai. The Lord, our Lord. Um, the, is, is that beginning to come together? Okay, then another thing I want us to realize. Uh, then in, in Orthodox Jewish Bibles, what you will find is the name, is, is, is the name, the name. They would just not say God's name. They would say Hashem in the place of the name. So it's not that the name disappeared, but it was just like, no, we shouldn't just keep using this name un unless we find that we use it in the wrong way. So they just say the name, Hashem. Okay? So it's kind of like how, uh, how we get offended when, you know, people just go, Jesus, over anything. They hit their toe, Jesus, you know? So it, they, they were trying to avoid that. So they would just write Hashem. Every Jewish reader would know, oh, this is the holy name. And they would say, Adonai. Okay? Now, another thing. Let's go, yes, uh, the other slide, uh, the one you were on before I rudely interrupted you. So, this name in uh, Yahweh. So, the reason it looks like that is uh, Hebrew was never written with um, vowels. So even having a Yahweh with the vowels in, 
is, is scholars' best guess at which vowels went there. It's not that it didn't have vowels, they just didn't write it with vowels. So, so uh, it's scholars' best guess on what vowels went there, right? So, then the name Yahweh, um, the Y and the W, depending on which part of the world you're in, can also be written and said as J and V, okay? So, could you go to the next slide? Okay, so Yahweh could also be written as J-H-V-H. Now, even further, to keep people from misusing the name of God, they mixed, they created a mixture of these two names. They took the vowels from that one and that one, and they put them together, and that's where we get the name Jehovah. It was, how can we make sure nobody acts, even accidentally misuses the name of God? So it never really went away. But you can imagine that over time, people end up thinking, oh, that is God's proper name. Or they just go, oh, I guess the Lord is one way to call God and therefore you can call him God and Yahweh is another alternative. So today we answer the question, what is in the name? Why are we doing this whole couple of weeks around God's name? What is in the name? Let's pray. Father, open our hearts to you. Open our minds to you. More than anything, give us revelation of your name and your character. In this moment now, I pray that our stories will be written in you and with you as we journey through this. Amen. Why don't we stand and read scripture together? So we'll read three portions of scripture, uh, I'll be, uh, short ones. The first one is Exodus uh, 33 verse 11. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And that would have been, so Adonai spoke to Moses as a man speaks to his friend. Exodus 33, 18 to 23. And he said, this is Moses speaking to God. Please show me your glory. Go on. Then he said, this is God uh, speaking back to Moses. I will make my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see my face and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rocks, so it shall be while my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back. My face shall not be seen. The last one, Exodus 34, verse 5 to verse 7. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed. Okay, slides. The Lord, the Lord, God merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Blessed be the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So last week we read the encounter of Moses and Yahweh, where, where Yahweh introduces himself using uh, the, the word I am. A little note, you know, as we go on. 
So, so many people have, I hear this around on the internet and I've heard it a bit even in this community, something that's becoming popular. It's like, oh, you know, even we say I am. And so at the moment we say I am, we are invoking God in us. We are gods, you know, we are just like God. And that's very dangerous. That's not what Yahweh is saying here. We are made in the image of God. And we will, we will touch on that, what that really means. But we are neither consistent, right? We talked about what that looks like, and we will a bit today. We're not perfect. And one of the things God was saying is, I am holy, which means I am completely separate. Being made in the image of God does not mean we are gods. We don't deserve worship. Yet, we are made in the image and the likeness of God. So that's why it's important to know the name, the story, and the character of God. Because I don't have the same story. I don't have the same character. When he says, I am, he is completely separate. Okay. So, uh, a few things we started picking out. Like, in every interaction, the, the way the, the Jewish scriptures tell us about the character of God is through stories, through narrative. And so that interaction with Moses was a story. And, and, and I want to remind us that the Bible is primarily the story of God. This isn't Moses' story. This is God's story as he interacted with Moses. And so... Uh, um, uh, one of the things we begin to see about the character of God in that interaction is one, oppression is not okay with God. He goes, I have seen, I have heard the cries of my people Israel and I want to do something, so I've come to do something. Oppression is not okay with this God. Mercy. He's a merciful God. Two, justice. He's saying, I have come to do something about it. Three, he prefers to use people. And one would argue, doesn't that take time? People are messy in and of themselves. People are not perfect. If you've met me, I am way, way, way from perfect. Why would you use people? Just do something already. And God prefers to use people because there's a patience to him. There's a patience to him. Love cannot be forced out of people. Now, Moses asks God, tell me your name. If they ask me what your name is, what am I supposed to say? One of the things that easily gets lost in what's happening here is Moses isn't just asking God, what's your label? Moses is asking God, what is your nature? What are you like? When he says, what is your name? He's asking, what are you like? And, and, and you know, people at this time believe that once you know the name of a God, you can conjure him, you can control him. So there's a lot that is happening uh, uh, that can be lost when we don't know the context. Uh, and you can make this God do whatever you want at your bidding. So there's a whole thing going on here. When God reveals his name and says, I am who I am, one thing he's saying, listen, Moses... One, I do not change. Two, I am who I am, which means I, I will not be conjured at people's will. I will not be controlled to do any's bidding. I am steady. I am steadfast. One of the other things I want to reach out from last week is the consistency. One of the things Moses, uh, God is telling Moses is, Moses, whatever you will find out about me, I am that, perfectly that, I am always that, and I will always be that. Moses, we are about to start a journey together. Whatever you find out about me, I am, I am perfectly that, I will be that, and I will always be that. In contrast to human beings, you fall in love, you marry someone, and then you realize, oh, they are kind, but sometimes... <laughs> Right? That's the background of, what's, of where we are today. But the other thing is that he's also saying that in contrast to other gods. Other gods are not what they say they are. That's also one thing that Yahweh is saying. He's consistent, they're not. 
He is perfectly who he, he says he is. They're not. So that's the background of what we, 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 we find ourselves. So when Moses says, show me your glory from the scripture we just read, what does God say? I will proclaim my name. That's a big deal. Well, a name is proclaimed. So God is saying, I will do you one better. I will actually proclaim my name. I will finally answer the question you asked me day one. God, show me your glory. Actually, I will do you one better. I will proclaim my name. I will tell you what my nature is. That's what we're stepping into. That's the story we're stepping into. And Yahweh passed before him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh, God, who is merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. So we distinguish persons by their name, their character and story. And the name is a revelation of his character. That's why when God says, I'll proclaim my name, this is what he says. He talks about his character. A name contains character. So what is in the name? The very character of God. And that's how he does it. Now you see why the Bible keeps insisting on the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord. Now you see hint, hint to when Jesus says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's, that, he's saying something really big. There was this whole idea and truth about the name of God. It was a big deal because in it is carried his nature and so much more, you know. Um, and remember from the weekend, last weekend, why it's also important? Because there are also other gods. So, old Bible times, as I said earlier, when you want to emphasize something, you repeat it. You see, one of the things that's been repeated there is the name of God, Yahweh, Yahweh. God is saying this is a big deal. The name is a big deal. That's why it's repeated. The Bible carries names of other gods, Baal, the god of the Canaanites, Asherah, the queen of heaven and, and, and goddess, uh, uh, the wife of El, um, who was the chief, uh, El who was the chief god of the Canaanites. The, the, the Bible carries all these things. So every time they keep insisting, the name, know the name, know the name, know who your God is. There's a story. So in scripture, throughout scripture, for them, this is a very real thing. Through, uh, there's, a, there's a story of a guy called Daniel. He, he's, he begins to pray. And then 21 days later, an angel shows up. And he goes, okay, Daniel, actually, the moment you prayed, I was dispatched with your answer. But the prince of Persia, a spiritual being over a whole area, kept me from coming. So for, 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 for the worldview of the Bible, for, for Bible writers, the reality of other spiritual beings is not lost to them. And the problem with not knowing the name of God is we end up thinking that one, those are just imaginations, or two, it doesn't matter. But for scripture, it's a big deal. And so they keep repeating the name of God, Yahweh, Yahweh. Well, another question one would ask is, well, was this just an Old Testament thing? Was it an old thing? That, is it something we still have in the New Testament? Yes. In the New Testament, uh, they adopt, you know, thousands of years later, right? They adopt a different language. They call uh, angels and demons, and they also use the, the, the phrase rulers in the heavenly realm. It's the same thing. Rulers in the heavenly realm. When, let's, you know, 1 Corinthians 8, 5 uh, to 6. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, Yet for us, there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came, 
uh, uh, came and through whom we live. See, Paul is reminding people, hey, there are other gods, but just for us, that's, that's none essential. So he's not saying there aren't any other gods. He's saying, yes, even though there are, for us, only one God is worthy of our worship because it is him who created everything. It is him who gives us life. And do you see what he does? He says, God, our, uh, the Father, there's only one God, the Father. And then he says, there's only one Lord. Remember back to Adonai. That's what, so, so questions about when did, P, uh, uh, is, is, is the worshiping of Jesus nude? And the church was there all along. One God, the Father. One uh, Adonai, Lord Jesus. So Paul is reminding the church, don't for a moment assume that those spiritual beings that people are worshiping aren't real. Just know that for you, there is only one God. And you can see there's a place where Paul went to teach and they had uh, erected uh, uh, different things to different gods. And they had one to the unseen God. Paul doesn't tell them, oh, these others are, 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 don't exist. Let me tell you about this one. He says, let me tell you about this one. Because they're real. Then a question of where did they come from? Everything seen and unseen was created by God. That's what scripture teaches. Everything seen and unseen was created by Yahweh. Which means even these spiritual beings were created by Yahweh. What happened is that, uh, so, sorry, let me just go back. They were created by Yahweh and they were given authority. They were given a free will and they were given power. That shouldn't be strange. That's what Yahweh did with creating human beings. He gave us authority. He gave us power and gave us a realm. So it seems that Yahweh is in the habit. He really does out of love Cre uh, creates, uh, 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 brings forth creation to share with his, with his beings and actually wants to rule with his beings. So the very same way God created human beings, gave them authority, power, and dominion, he created spiritual beings and gave them authority, power, and dominion. Just the same way we read in Genesis that then they, uh, human beings rebelled is the very same way these spiritual beings rebelled. So it's not that they don't exist. The only question for scripture is that should they be worshipped? And the answer is no. The reason I keep insisting on that is how we think about spirituality matters. Sometimes we end up messing with the wrong stuff, worshipping the wrong things, thinking it's just a game. It isn't. And what is Yahweh's relationship with these, with these beings? Psalm 82. Uh, ooh, it's gotten hot. God stands in the great assembly. I've just put in some of the uh, Hebraic words. He administers justice in the midst of the gods, the Elohim. So, so you remember when, when you know, Genesis starts with Elohim, and I was saying Elohim is, is, is a word that's just meaning gods. You see, even in the Bible itself. But you see, the Bible isn't shying away from the idea of other gods. It's right there in your book of Psalms. So, God stands in the great assembly, the assembly of God. That's what that word means. He administers justice in the midst of the gods. Which ones? Those are the gods. This is how it goes. How long will you judge unjustly and show favoritism for the, to the wicked? Next slide. Judge on behalf of the helpless and the orphan. Provide justice to the afflicted and the poor. Rescue the helpless and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They do not know or consider. They go about the darkness so that all the foundations of the earth are shaken. I have said, you so this is Yahweh speaking. I have said, you are gods, 
and sons of the Most High, all of you. However, you will die like men. It's like, oh, oh. Okay. And you will fall like one of the... Next slide. Rise up, O God, Elohim. Judge the earth, because you shall inherit the nations. Okay. So last week I started with that word, Elohim. It's the first word in Genesis. And I said, okay, listen, this word just, just says Godhood or God. It's a title. I also added that the, the Bible begins the story of one particular Elohim. So every time you see in the Bible uh, uh, Elohim with a capital E or God with a capital G, for scripture, this is the story of Yahweh. So every time you see that they're referring to Yahweh, that's why they still use that. It didn't become the name of God. But for them, when, you write, uh, when they would write uh, Elohim with a capital E, it would only refer to, to, to Yahweh. It's not that they wouldn't use the, the other Elohim, they would just use it with a capital E. So it never meant for a moment that these other things don't exist. It's just that for them, there's nothing on heaven and on earth that could compare to Yahweh. The reason to think about this is because it matters how you read scripture. Anyway. Divine counsel. Psalm 82 talks about uh, Yahweh and, and he's sitting in the council of God or the great assembly. And sometimes you'll have places where it says the divine council. What is this? You read that even in Job. When, when, when uh, Job says uh, the council of God was in session and, and, and the sons of God, Bene Elohim, were presenting themselves and Satan came. Do you see what's happening there? Or have you ever asked yourself, what is Satan doing because he's one of the spiritual beings that were created by God? And in scripture, they're just called B'nai Elohim, the sons of God. That's why he was there. They, it was parade day for the sons of God and he had to show up. But I'm just telling you, this is how the, uh, the, the mindset of the people who wrote scripture works. And, and so you'll find it in Job, you'll find it in the book of Kings and many other places in the Bible. But the problem is these, these beings that God created to rule with him have rebelled against him. And so in Psalm 82, we find that, that what God is saying is, you are the people I called to rule justly. I gave you authority. I gave you power to rule justly, but you're doing what is wrong. If you bring, up, uh, back, if you bring back Psalm 82, the second slide. Uh, no, the one before that. Okay, so you see, you see what, what, what Yahweh is saying. How long will you judge unjustly and show favoritism to the wicked? Next slide. Judge on behalf of the helpless and the orphan. Provide justice to the afflicted and the poor. Rescue the helpless and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. The whole reason God created them is that they would help rule the world justly. And then the next slide. Uh, there's one that is missing. Okay. So there's, there's a portion where he says, um, oh yeah. Actually, that's correct. Thank you. Thank you, Gary. So that, that's the whole idea. In the view of Scripture, it's these beings that are responsible for the destruction and the pain and the hurt in the world. And God is not happy about it. They rebelled against him. They've created all this chaos in the world. And God is going, you won't do this any longer. I am bringing justice swiftly. In the scripture, you will rarely find, you know, we, in, in the modern world, we wrestle with the question of suffering. We go, why do I have to suffer? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why, why, why? Why did my mother have to die? Why, did, why, did, uh, why didn't God heal this person of cancer? Why don't I have a job? We wrestle with the question of suffering. We often ask the question, why? In the Bible, they don't ask this, the question, why? They take it as a given. Their question is, what is Yahweh going to do about it? 
Because the view of scripture is God created a good and perfect world. Including spiritual beings and, uh, and, and uh, human beings and other creation in this realm. And some spiritual beings rebelled against God and they've caused chaos. That's the view of suffering in the scripture. And so for them, the question isn't why. For them, the question is how long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? Last week, there was a question about the conflict in Israel and, and, and Gaza. 78 years after World War II, there are 20 active conflicts in the world. 20, over 20 active conflicts in the world. Some happening right around us, Somalia, Ethiopia. So the Israeli-Gaza one is just the latest, but it, it isn't the only one. Now, I do not want to comment specifically about that uh, uh, conflict for several reasons. One, it is so complicated. Two, the geopolitics of it all are so murky. There's a long, long history in there, longer than the Belfort Declaration. Then there are realities about occupation and terrorism. And Kenya, we know too well, realities, about, uh, realities of occupation and terrorism. So, one, I don't think I am qualified to say much about it. I know sometimes pastors feel like they have to say everything anything about everything. I don't think that's right, so I don't want to. Two, I'm not saying I don't have anything to say about it. I just don't think with such a big issue, it should fit into a paragraph. So that's the only reason, it's not an avoidance of it, is I wanna be honorable to that because it's costing lives. And three, and the other reason is it's just, it's. Uh, 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 filled with, with religious uh, undertones. So, however, I, am, I, I, I think I want to say something particular uh, on, 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 on the nature of God as it relates to this. God proclaims his name and he says he is gracious, compassionate, loving, slow to hunger, anger, and just. There is nothing about what is going on in Israel and Palestine that reflects God's character. Nothing. And it breaks God's heart. And no one can and should use the name of God to justify any side of the war. Because that is not the character of God. The way the scripture views it is that there are spiritual beings that have enticed the hearts of men and, and, and women and brought us to a place where there's, there's war and sickness and there's all, uh, kids being left orphans and, and, and the, the needy are not being helped and the wicked are, 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 are ruling. And that's, that's what's breaking God's heart even as what is happening in the world goes on. And so here's what he promises. He stands in the assembly of all those beings that have brought us to this place. And he administers justice and says, how long will you judge unjustly and show favoritism to the wicked? Judge on behalf of the helpless and the orphan. Provide justice to the afflicted and the poor. Rescue the helpless and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They do not know or consider. They go about in darkness so that all the foundations of the earth are shaken. And God continues to say, I have said you are gods and sons of the most high, all of you. However, you will die like mortal human beings and you will fall like one of the princes. And so we join the psalmist in verse 8 to say, rise up, O God, judge the earth because you shall inherit the nations. If we do not have the correct picture of God, this is why this is important. If we do not know the character of God, one, we create him in our own image and likeness. He begins to like only the people we like. He begins to hate the people we hate. 
If you look at some of the religious rhetoric coming from that war, everybody who's using the name of God has decided that God is on their side. Why? Because we have a habit of creating God in our own image and likeness. Two, we begin to blame God for what is in His. He says, I am merciful and compassionate. We go, God, you've acted unjustly with me. How could I be in this place? Instead of seeing the broken heart of the Father grieving with us, we'll be blaming Him for all that is happening around us. Three, importantly, could I have the band back on stage? If we do not know the character of God, we might, we might think He's not noble, we might think He's distant, and we miss the invitation of the Father to know us and to be known to us. Why don't we stand? So today we talked about the character, we've just began. We've just gone to where God proclaims his character. If you walk throughout scripture, this is the most quoted scripture by scripture itself. Every time they want to draw a picture of the character of God, they always quote this scripture. Because, because it was, it was the, 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 the pinnacle of, of their theology of God. The only way to think about Yahweh for them was taken back to Exodus 34. Gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, and just. And, and we will walk through the next couple of weeks exploring that. But as we finish, what are the implications for us today to know uh, the character of God, to know Him as slow to anger, compassionate, gracious, uh, uh, merciful, and just. One, it is around the problem of evil and suffering. The world is populated with spiritual beings, and that is a big deal. And in the Bible, it is these beings that were given authority by God, and they've rebelled and turned around, that are the cause of all the pain. Yet God is going to bring justice swiftly. Two, it changes how we come before God. Some of us come before God begging, using our goodness. Because we don't realize that he's already good. God, you see, I, I, I am not like those people. I don't drink till midnight. I don't do this. I don't sleep there. God, I am a good person. Why wouldn't you do this for me? We start saying, okay, God, what, what can I give you so that you can be good to me? And God's going, no, no, I am good. I am good. Some of us then play the victim card. God, you know what has been done to me. You know that I grew up in a poor family. You know this. Just do this one thing for me. I, my life is already too bad because we're not seeing what God is saying. No, no, I am kind. I am gracious. It is in my nature to give good gifts. So we don't have to use ourselves. We don't have to leverage ourselves to come before the Father. We can pray in His nature. And I hope that that reflects to us when Jesus says we can come to the Father in His name. Because His name reveals His nature. Our prayer teams are going to come up front. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you. If questions have come up in, uh, in, in your heart or mind, please uh, remember to put them there. I'm just going to pray over us and release us. But I encourage you uh, to hang on a bit and, and as we sing over you. And then just be with your father. I really think some of us have been knocking at God's door without the revelation that he actually wants the best for you. You've been thinking that you need to extra please God to make him kind towards you. And it is not true. And I'll just invite you to release some of that before you leave. Father, you're slow to anger and rich in love. God, you're gracious and you're kind to people like me, to people like everyone standing here. And Lord, I want, I'm, I'm just asking you to remind us of that truth today. So we stand as a community and we say thank you. We want to start with thank you. 
because you've been faithful through the years and for the things we are trusting you for, we know you will be faithful because that is your name. Lord, I just pray for bleeding hearts in this place. Those who felt abandoned and forgotten. And I ask that, Lord, you show them that you are grieving with them. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, our master and our friend. I bless you now to go into this city to your friends, your family, the businesses you run, and the places you just spend the day, to people who don't know you and those who do, and carry the name of our God. May the name of our God, may Yahweh's name be upon you, and that you will be filled with grace, but you'll also give grace. You'll be filled with his kindness and you'll also give kindness. And where other things have stolen from you, I just break their power so that you can enter into God's presence with confidence because he loves you. I bless you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.